So uh, <clears throat> normally, normally I don't do stuff like this, but we're going to give God a praise offering today because that was some incredible worship. So praise God today. And not that it's a competition <laughs> or anything, but I don't know who was all worshiping over here, but I heard like angels singing from this part of the room. So I know God has shown up today and we have some awesome, um, awesome stuff ahead of us that God is just going to speak and reveal to us. Each week, um, I, I really, we really like to do some testimonies, we call them. So we like to invite people up to kind of share what God is doing in, in their lives and in the ministries that they've taken on. And today we are blessed. Kelly Dill and Carolyn West are going to come up and join us and uh, share what's going on for them right now. Good morning. About one month from today, we are headed off to Royal Family Kids Camp to serve the abused, abandoned, and neglected children in Chautauqua County. And that's because of you. Praise God for that. We've been doing this ministry for over 22 years in this church, and it's because of your generosity. I'm overwhelmed when I see what this church, your bo this body of Christ can do when we ask you to serve. Look at Amen. what's out here ready for VBS. Amen. It's beautiful because of people who serve and volunteer. A month ago, I was up here and asked you to support the Give Big Chautauqua, and boy, you did that in a great way. We, op we more than doubled what we normally make on that 24-hour fundraiser. Yeah. Thank you. Kaylee and I asked for donations for snacks and things for VBS and for camp, and they came pouring in. Thank you again. I have a couple more needs coming up. I'm still looking for some night staff at camp, so we have a sign-up sheet at the point, and also looking for some help, a small group of people to come pack and wrap on the 21st of June in the evening for a couple hours to help get us ready for camp. And one more thing, a big thing, Kelly, my friend Kelly here has resurrected the golf tournament that used to be held for Royal Family every year. I am not a golfer, I dropped the ball on that one. So <laughs> Kelly has resurrected it in honor of a very, very special man. That's coming up on June 27th, she's here to tell you more about that. Um, we could use your help, even if you can't golf, we could, we'll need some volunteers. Every $700 you bring in takes another child to camp. So, thank you, Kelly. Good morning. I want you to know this was not my idea. <laughs> One morning when I was in my quiet time with God, he put this on my heart. I didn't know if it was me or God, so I continued to pray about it. And the next thing I did was I called Carolyn. And she told me that Mike Kritchner was going to plan a golf outing this year. And I didn't know that. That confirmed it was from God. I didn't want to move forward without Linda's blessing. And she said, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on our way. And I want to thank everyone that, who has already been a part of this. We have registration forms. We also have sponsorships. Um, 
this really isn't about golf. This is about honoring God. This wasn't my idea. This is his. It's taking a lot of time out of people's lives to put this together. And I'm so grateful that I have great partners in doing this. But this is our opportunity to honor God. And if you golf, it's a fun way to get involved. If you don't, scrambles are still a lot of fun. And if you don't want to be a part of that or volunteer, um, you know, we ask you to pray for us. And, you know, our very first donation was from a wonderful woman in this church who I love dearly. She doesn't golf, but she's honoring God with a large donation and not even sending players, which the level of donation that she gave covers two people. Amen. So Amen. it's just an opportunity for all of us to listen, have our hearts open. Where is God calling you in any part of this? And if nothing else, please, please pray for us. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Before you go, Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, Carolyn, hold on one second. I'm going to pray over you guys too, so. <laughs> Sorry. I should let you know ahead of time I didn't see you. So. Heavenly Father, Lord, I lift up um, this golf tournament. I pray that your hand would be on this. I pray that you would do a mighty work through this tournament, that you would bring the people um, who need to be there, Father, who uh, um, have this gift, Father, and uh, just do a mighty work and be with the Royal Family Kids Camp. I pray already you'd be going before them, that you would be preparing the students. I know we're still looking for more students to, to be there, Father. We just pray that you would prepare them, prepare the volunteers, and uh, bless this ministry financially so they can continue to do the good work they're doing. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> For a long time now, we've talked about, uh, as a church, we don't want to just continue to roll out ministries because we've done these ministries forever, right? Because then we end up putting people in, in places where maybe they don't belong or they don't fit. What we want to do as a church is come alongside people who God is speaking to. God is giving them a vision like Kelly. God gave her a vision and said, look, this is what I want you to do. So we as a church want to look at those things and say, how can we come alongside? How can we support? So as God is speaking to you, and there's not a doubt in my mind that there's more in this room that God is speaking to Take that step of faith. Let us know whatever we, we don't want to control it. We don't want to take it over. All we want to do is be able to come alongside you and help you on the path that God has laid before you. So we want to be able to support more ministries like this. And we thank people like Kelly and Carolyn and all the rest of you who have already stepped up into some incredible ministries and that God is already using in these mighty ways. This morning, we're going to start out, we have a picture that we're going to look at here. I, so here's our, our picture. How many of you, what do you see in this picture? Go ahead and shout out, what do you see in this picture? A, a frog, okay, we hear, I hear frog, I hear horse, I hear a lot, of, a lot of frogs. So yeah, we definitely, we see a toad there, right? Or a frog. I'm calling it a toad. I'm going with toad. It's, it doesn't look good enough to be a frog. It, it hasn't reached that level of frog yet. So it's toad. 
Now, if you haven't seen the horse yet, we have another picture. Now, how many of you, the horse just jumps right out now? Right, we all can see the horse now. If we'd have put this picture up as the first picture, the first thing that uh, you would have seen was the horse. You know, our perspective, how we view things. I mean, it changes things significantly. The lens in which we use to view the world can change everything for us. And when we're looking at the world through our own humanity, which this is how generally we look at the world, most of us naturally look at the world through our humanity. We see the world as men or women, as introverts or extroverts, as feelers or thinkers, maybe by our nationality or our our race. We naturally view the world through all of those lenses. But today we're going to talk about viewing the world through a different lens, through the lens of God. We're going to talk about a biblical worldview, viewing the world through the light of Scripture. Because although we all naturally may view the world this way or that, when we look through the lens of Scripture, if this is what we are looking through, we will all see the same picture. We should all see the same picture. If we're using this honestly and not allowing our biases or our lenses to manipulate this, but we are humbly looking at this, it will change our view of the world. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to read Amos 7. That's a weird book, isn't it? One that we probably haven't heard in a a very long time. If you know me, you know that I'm sarcastically, I'm going to say this, a big fan of the Minor Prophets. So Amos, hopefully we have a page number. Yep. So it's after the Major Prophets, and then you have Hosea, you have Daniel, then Hosea, then Amos. To me, the Prophets have always been probably my least favorite books to read because they're kind of hard to understand. You really have to read them in the context of the historical books. So you can't really understand Amos or any of the, the prophets unless you understand what's going on in First uh, and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, so you understand the historical context of what is going on in Israel at the time. But here's Amos 7, 7 through 17. This is what he, God, showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, Look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. For this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, 
Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Do not prophesy any more at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a shepherd, and I took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now then hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the house of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in a pagan country. And Israel will certainly go into exile, away from their native land. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you hold the plumb line still. You still measure nations. You still measure people. Father, we thank you that you send your son, Jesus Christ, that though we will never measure up, through him we can have salvation. Through him we can have connection with you. Through him we can have relationship with you, Father. We thank you for these things. And Father, I thank you that because of these things we have, and thank you that we have this opportunity because of these things to worship you, to praise you here in this country still right now. Father, do a mighty work today. I pray that the words that I speak would not be my own. I pray that the words that people hear would not be my words, but that they would hear you. Open their ears that they may hear. Prepare their hearts that they may receive. The word that you have for each one of them today, Father, whatever that is, prepare your congregation. And may they walk out of here knowing that they have heard from God, that they have heard from you. That each one will hear your voice today. And let each of us be changed by this encounter. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage begins with the words, This is what he showed me. Amos is is now seeing the world through the lenses of God. See, in this case... In Israel, if you had a secular worldview, things looked pretty good. Israel was doing great. They were the most prosperous that they had been in any other time since the time of Solomon. Only under Solomon had they been stronger than they were at this moment. Only under Solomon had they had more wealth than they had at this moment. So this was as prosperous as the nation had been in 200 years. Things were going well if you were just looking through your normal lenses. This was also an incredible time for the resurgence of their military. No nations were coming to take them anytime soon, it looked like. 
They were the strongest they had been since Solomon as well. So they were living in a time of relative peace, security, prosperity. So what was their natural train of thought because of this? Clearly, God favors us. Clearly, God is happy with us because look at all we have. Reality was most of them didn't care what God thought or was doing because their needs were being met. Their wants were being met from human standards, from that natural viewpoint, things were going well. And that's generally the time when people walk away from God, maybe not even realizing that they were walking away. But as the world saw growth, God had opened Amos's eyes to what was actually going on in Israel. Because although they saw their physical prosperity, Amos saw their spiritual poverty. They were spiritually bankrupt. They were as bankrupt spiritually as they were prosperous physically. Most of us in this country have, like Israel at this time, only ever known Relative prosperity. Most of us have never known what it is to be hungry or homeless or go through something like my grandparents went through, the the Great Depression. In our lifetimes, we have never experienced this. Since World War II, this country has been a, if not the, leader in most aspects of life in our world. Now, there are those who try to look back and use some revisionist history to say that's not the case, but it is the case. This country has been prosperous in most ways. Which leads us to some of the first world problems that we face, right? Like, my house is such a mess, there's stuff everywhere. (laughs) That's a first world problem. Or, uh, There's not enough dressing on my salad, so now it just tastes like salad. My daughter's mantra, that's another first world problem. Or my favorites, my pillow fell out of the pillowcase last night. It was a nightmare. (laughs) First world problems. But the reality is there are also very real problems that come with prosperity. The problems that Amos recognized in Israel were idolatry. Israel set up their own temples when they split off from Judah. They set up two temples. In both temples, they placed golden calves. They were worshiping other gods. They were involved in extravagant living. For those who had money, they were doing it on the backs of the poor but they were living beyond their means and they were taking, hoarding all for themselves. They were living extravagantly. There was immorality, specifically he talks about sexual immorality in this book. There was corruption of the judicial procedures that Amos talks about in the book. 
And again, there was simply the oppression of the poor. I don't know, any of these sound familiar to you today? Okay, we sh- I should see a lot of bobbleheads in the congregation here. Because if these don't sound familiar, you haven't been paying attention. We are engaged in idolatry today, but our I- idols today, they aren't golden calves. Probably couldn't afford golden calves today, but we won't go into that part. The idols that we worship today is the idol of self. And we've talked about this several times. It's me, me, me. I am the most important thing in this world. I am the most important thing in my sphere, in my surroundings. It's my rights. It's my life. It's my choices. We worship an idol of self. I would say that that idol that we worship is far more dangerous than the idols Israel was worshiping. Extravagant living. How many of us are living well beyond our means? How many of us are in debt up to our eyeballs? (laughs) And why? I think of that old saying, you know, we spend money we don't have to impress people we don't like. There's a third part, I can't remember it. We are living, we are engaged in extravagant living. We have to keep up with the Joneses. Immorality. Man, I don't have to even explain this. Turn on your TV, but don't. Just turn the TV off. But all around us, we see sexual immorality, and we don't just see it, we are setting it up as something good. (laughs) We are happy about it. The Bible says that in the last days, people will call good evil, and they will call evil good. Do we not see that today? Corruption in the judicial system, I won't get you guys started because I know if we talk about that, all we, all we worry about today is the corruption in our political system. Who can we trust? We can't trust the government. We don't trust the media. There's corruption all over the place. And it seems like all of this is still done on the backs of the poor. We still oppress the poor in this country. Everything that was going on in Israel at that time We can see it now. It's really a little bit frightening because I know what's about to happen to Israel. What's about to happen to us is the question. How long will God hold the plumb line up against us? How long will he let us continue on the path that we have been on before he says, I am done I have had enough of them. This is the path Israel was on. This is what Amos was was trying to show them. This is the same warning that we need to heed today. And once we open our eyes and we recognize what is going on, what do we do with it? Do we stick our head in the sand? Or do we, like the eagle, rise up, be watchful and bold? Because we have a choice 
what we are going to do with all that we are seeing today. There's so many areas where our world does not line up with the plumb line that Amos saw. Real quick, I should explain what the plumb line is if you don't know. So in Israel's, in this Amos's day, a plumb line was a string that was held up with a weight on the bottom. And you would hold that plumb line up against the wall to see if the wall was straight. Kind of, we would use a level today, but that was the plumb line that they used to measure to see, is this the way I had created it to be? Because as the Israelites built up their walls, God had built up his people And he had built up his people to look and act and be a certain way. Not because he wanted them to jump through hoops. Not because he wanted to take away their rights. Not because he was mean. But because he loved them. And he knew that a wall is strongest when it matches the plumb line. That's why God wants his people to measure up against the plumb line. To be in plumb Because that is when we will be prosperous. That is when we will have safety and security. Not just for this world, but for the next. So in our lives, where are we holding up the plumb line? And what is our plumb line today? We've been quiet for a long time. What is our plumb line for today? Because we talk about this a lot. Okay? Somebody shout something, though. The Bible, thank you. What is our plumb line today? It's this. I can't walk up to you with a string and a weight and see if you are a godly person to see if you are saved. I can compare things to this and say, are they godly people? Do they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Are they filled with the Holy Spirit? This is our plumb line today. And we cannot stick our heads in the sand anymore. We must rise up. We must be on the lookout for the sake of our nation, for the sake of our church, for the sake of our friends and our families, and for our own lives. We must be measuring the things around us to compare it to see, is this of God or is this not? Are we going the path of Israel or are we turning back to him? We must, we must use this in our individual lives. We must look at the word of God. And if you're not reading this, how will you ever measure anything, right? But if you think because you come to church, if you think because occasionally you pray that you are right with God, and that you will be saved on that day, on that day of judgment, that you're okay? You may not be. Jesus warns us in Matthew uh, 7. Yes, it's it's right here. (laughs) Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Um, Forgive me, I'm going to go back two verses. I messed that up. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you get that? 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who sits in a pew will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says a prayer will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who goes around saying, well, I'm a Christian, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's not my words. I'm not telling you you may not go to heaven. That's God's words. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying many on that day are going to come and they're going to say to me, Lord, Lord, but they're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, those who hear the words of mine and put them into practice, they are like the wise men who built their house on a rock. They are the ones who will stand up against the plumb line. They are the ones who will spend an eternity in heaven. Don't think you're safe because you show up on Sunday morning. Always be comparing your life to the word of God because if it doesn't match up, then I don't know what's happening to you. And we don't measure up. We don't act a certain way. We don't live a certain way. We don't do certain things to be saved. Understand that. Hear that, okay? Because no matter how hard we work, no matter what we do, we cannot be saved on our own. But when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we truly have him in our lives, when he is truly Lord and Savior of our lives, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our lives will look like this. So it's not a do this to be saved. It's a look at this to see if you are saved. Look at this to see is the Holy Spirit really working in your life or is he not? And then we need to hold the same thing up to our churches. Is the Holy Spirit working in our churches or is it not? Does the church match what the word of God says it should? And then the same for our nation. We must use the plumb line so we know where we are at. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. And then when we see these things, when we recognize where we are truly at, then we have a choice to make. I'm sure that it was scary for Amos to go and share the message that God had given him. Amos could have lost his life by taking that message to Jeroboam. But Amos still proclaimed the message that he was given. He wasn't a prophet, per se. He was a shepherd. He, he was a fig tree farmer. And yet God chose him to take this message. It's not the pastor's job to take the message to everyone. It's all of our job to take the message. It's all of our job to be measuring up the church and the world and ourselves. Amos was probably afraid. But Amos didn't fear man. He feared God. And he was more afraid of not doing what God had called him to do. The apostles in the New Testament, they didn't fear man when the Sanhedrin beat them and said, don't preach in this man's name anymore. They said, who are we to listen to, man or God? They feared God more than man. Who will we fear? Because this message is not a popular message. This message is not fun to take to your neighbors. It's not fun to take to some of our churches sometimes. But who will we fear, man or God? 
And last night, as I was leaving here, really not sure what I was sharing this morning still. I had three different sermons that I kind of, I was kind of lost. But here's the big thing to take away from all this, though, okay? I drove by a person on the side of the street that I know. And I know some of their life. I know some of the things they've been through. And God spoke to me, not audibly, I just sensed God speaking to me through this, that that person has gone through some difficult things. And because of what they've gone through, their life right now is a shamble. They would not measure up to the plumb line by any way, shape, or form. But the good news is, that it's construction crews who use a plumb line. You don't see demolition crews going out there with a plumb line or a level, seeing is it straight before I tear it down, right? It's the construction crew. God is not holding the plumb line up to you because he wants your destruction. He's holding the plumb line up to you because he wants you to be all that he created you to be. That plumb line is a means of grace. It is through that plumb line that we can know Christ. It's through that plumb line that we can be one with him, that we can be filled with the Spirit, that we can be who he made us to be. That plumb line isn't a bad thing. We need the world to understand that. God wants us to live a truly prosperous life, a truly safe and secure life. And that comes when our foundation is strong. And it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with wars on our land or difficulties we may go through. It has to do with the peace and prosperity within that we will have if we begin to follow that plan and become plumb with the plumb line. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and praise you for this day. Father, help us to be true to plumb. Help us, Father, in humility to always be comparing ourselves to your word. Where do we measure up? Where are we falling short? With the desire to draw nearer to you, with a desire to glorify you. Father, be with our church. Be with this church specifically that we would always, in humility, measure ourselves by your word. And as we look at the church in our nation and in our world, Father, I pray the same that every one of your churches, that your church, universal, Father, would in humility all be comparing themselves to your word. Do a mighty work, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this time of reflection, of course we can... We will reflect on how God has blessed us financially, how we can give back to him through the offering 
baskets in the back. If you're new here, that's not for you. We're not asking for you to give. We're just glad you're here if you're new, okay? This is for the followers of Christ who are part of this church um, to support the ministries that this church does. But also during this time of reflection, I encourage you to be praying and asking God, do you measure up to that plumb line? Are you where you ought to be? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to work in your life? And if, if you need to, if there's a, an area that you need to let go of, or maybe you've never even told, maybe you've never even made that commitment of allowing Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, I encourage you to come to the front to pray. You can pray in your seats, but if you come to the front, we'll have people that will pray with you. And I think that the prayer where two or more are gathered, there is God, right? There's a power in that communal prayer. So I encourage you, don't do it on your own. I encourage you to come and pray up front and allow us to pray with you.